0: People often say, well, if it's all all this false stuff, why do they have credibility? Why does anyone believe their version of the story? Well, they don't care if you believe their version of the story. And while we care about information fratricide and getting our narrative consistent and correct, they do not. All of their separate units operate independently. And if they disprove even each other's stories, they don't care about that. Because their goal is not to get the target audience to believe what they're saying. Their goal is to sow enough confusion and uncertainty in the decision space that people go, well, I don't know if that's true or not, so I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to sit and wait.
1: With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you're adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com
2: lc38brand.com the civil affairs lifestyle brand a little bit of something for everybody t-shirts polos shorts hats flags posters for your walls and stickers for everything else items for citizen soldiers of usa Kpoc and warrior diplomats at fort bragg alike lc38brand.com it's cool to like your job
3: This is our first of two episodes talking with Majors Brian Hancock and Jack Gaines about the theater information advantage element. Enjoy the show. Jack Gaines is an Army Reserve officer who works as a policy and strategic advisor in the Washington, D.C. area. He also leads a social movement called 46X, the fight to reform DoD public affairs. Jack's education includes a master's degree in communication management from the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. Major Brian Hancock was the CEO of a small information company for 16 years. He enlisted in the U.S. Army in 2005 and went forward to serve the nation in Afghanistan. He is currently the G9 in charge of civil military operations for the 79th Theater Sustainment Command, the second largest military unit in the Department of Defense. Major Hancock is MOS qualified for and has served in intelligence, psychological operations, and civil affairs. As a civilian, he is the deputy for the Marine Corps Ground Center of Excellence Advanced Training Department located in 29 Palms, California. He has been published in the National Federation of Advanced Information Services, the Military Intelligence Professionals Bulletin, Small Wars Journal, the Pentagon Strategic Multilayer Assessment, and the Civil Affairs Issues Papers. This businessman possesses bachelor's degrees in political science and psychology, a Master of Science in Management in National Security in certifications in project management, leadership in energy, and environmental design,
4: and adult learning. Hi, and welcome to the 1CA podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode, and we're joined by two majors talking about the Theater Information Advantage Element, TIAE. A quick disclaimer for everyone, all remarks are those of the presenters and do not represent views of the U.S. Army or
0: Department of Defense.
4: Gentlemen, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, John. It's really great to be here. Appreciate it. Hey, John. Glad to be here. Thank you.
4: Yeah, we're glad to to have you on the show to talk about this theater information advantage element. We want to talk about why it matters, implications for the military. And I understand that right now it's an experimental formation that's under review by somebody somewhere, and we'll try to get to that later. But first, I want to set the stage for listeners by describing a few things. Some terms like convergence, information-related capabilities, and which activities fall under that umbrella of IRCs. And what gap in capability, this new approach, this theater information advantage element, or TIAE as we may refer to it in the show, what capability gap is this a new approach trying to fill?
0: First of all, the theater information advantage element is not a single formation. It's an at-echelon formation so it, it's all the way up to the COCOM commander, all the way down to about the battalion level, depending on the nature of the mission involved. Your question has three components to it, John. will answer those in turn. The, the first is what, is, what is this idea of convergence and how is that new? What is happening to our traditional information-related capabilities in this formation? and what gaps could this new experimental formation potentially fill for the Department of Defense. So when we talk about uh, convergence, which is at the heart of uh, this new capability, is what we're trying to achieve with the TIAE. This actually originated a number of years ago in the intelligence community. We were studying something called complex adaptive systems theory. In complex adaptive systems, an individual agent, such as the head of a power plant in a city, can affect an entire system, say the power system of that city, simply by pushing a button and turning it off, in which case all of the citizens of that city or the agents of that system will all change their behavior in response. So an agent can change a system and a system can change the behavior of all of its agents. These are very complicated systems. And as we tried to attack these systems in our uh, 20 years of coin fights, what we were finding is that when we made an impact with one of our capabilities, it was just not battlefield significant. We, we can make a slight gain and then it, we roll back. Uh, we didn't have a lasting effect on those systems. So this developed something called the concept of parallel attack, where instead of just doing one thing in a system on its own, you make a whole bunch of interrelated efforts doing exact, attempting to achieve exactly the same effects simultaneously um, uh, over time. And that had the potential to move that system in a sustainable way. Well, a few years go by and that evolves into this concept of convergence, Convergence takes the concept of parallel attack in a complex adaptive system, and it adds to it elements of being rapid and continuous, integrated in all domains, also the electromagnetic spectrum and the information environment, with the goal of optimizing the overmatch against the enemy through cross-domain synergies and multiple forms of attack. Uh, Now, that's the textbook definition from the operational and organizational concept. I know, Jack, you probably have a a better way of saying that. Uh, I'll I'll hand it to you.
5: This is why I work with Brian so much, is he's beautiful on the technicals and the doctrine. And then I mash it all together into big, you know, primordial soup and say, this is what it is. And basically, as I've seen it, convergence is the evolution of the silent approach, like Brian was saying, you know, we, at first... You know conflict was managed through a rush of people all on an issue and then we've become specialized now we're shifting back to removing some of those silos and becoming more unified and convergent in our efforts and i believe it comes from you know people who have deployed and experienced operations in the field because this, that's where an evolve it concept like this would come from it's different from current policies and that you have a tight group that everyone pitches in to get through the mission. Often people are used to that efficiency in smaller groups. What this is trying to do is establish it at the command level and and remove some of that frustration and bureaucracy from the process. So I suspect that the convergence movement is an attempt to recapture some of the field operational efficiency and bring it to a more established command level. Brian?
0: Thanks for that, Jack. Let's talk a little bit about information-related capabilities and what's happening with them in the theater information advantage element. The new experimental doctrine is moving away from formations as a siloed capability. So in the coin fight where we had an EW section, a PSYOP team, a civil affairs team, a public affairs team, information operations, military deception, and operational security – operating and training largely independently, and then getting together once they go to theater. In large-scale combat operations at the speed of modern warfare, uh, the militaries realize that is not gonna be an effective approach uh, to achieve the effects that need to be achieved in the compressed timeframes that they need to be achieved in, especially in dense urban environments where uh, we suspect we will be fighting future wars. So, what the theater information advantages uh, element has done is it's uh, de emphasized IRC as an MOS and a single capability, and it's now emphasizing something called information advantage activities. And information advantage activities are things that many other formations will participate in, not just the traditional information-related capabilities. So to achieve information-advantage activities, you have uh, DOD information network operations, intelligence operations, space operations, integrated joint special technical operations, cyberspace operations, and others. You could even have maneuver units that through their position, posture, and profile are achieving an information-related effect. So they're attempting to bring all of these together and synchronize them under a single umbrella in order to achieve information advantage for windows of time that the maneuver force, particularly on offense, will exploit to achieve the commanders in state. Jack, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's
5: that's brilliant, Brian. And And the thing that I always like to stress with it is You know, the capabilities individually and combined are important, but it's also how they're applied that's critical. A lot of, you know, current military thinking these days is based on one-off events. You know, targets are one-off, focused events, breach operations, drone strikes, single-item targeting that is narrowly focused. And we need to break through that. We need to get into what's called persistent engagement, where we either have a rheostat on our, our enemies actions that we can drag their efforts down or open space up if we want to take advantage of their momentum. Information advantage, by definition, is persistent. So whether it's an IO or J3 ops person or other element that's leading the effort, the key is to converge all the, the capabilities and successes and energies of the different elements together to persistently operate in the contested space. And that builds support while stigmatizing competitors and adversaries. So um, in concept,
0: it sounds easy, but in practice, it's much harder to do. Brian? Thanks, Jack. John, let's move on to your question about gaps and what gaps the TIA may fill for of the military. I want to talk specifically about two gaps. Uh, the first is the gap we touched on previously about these separate silos of excellence, where we have uh, civil affairs training in one unit in one group, PSYOP in another unit in another group. Uh, you know, electronic warfare separate, et cetera. And then they only get together either at the mobilization side if they're reservists, or when they're doing a large exercise or deploying if they're in, in the active component. And what we're finding is the speed of modern warfare that that's just too little, too late especially when you're looking at the increasing number of dynamic targets that you're going to have in modern warfare and in the dense urban environment. So this breaks down those silos by bringing all of these different elements together in the same formation. And they live, work, eat, sleep, train, plan, work O plans, develop branches and sequels, rehearse, execute all together and they're stationed persistent forward. So they're doing all those things in the actual environment where they're going to execute. So it's a huge leap forward in terms of how that force is uh, built, man-trained, plans, and uh, executes operations to synergize effects. And the second gap that we all have to talk about as soon as we talk about anything in the information environment is authorities. Now, traditionally, uh, authorities follow the command that is in the region usually uh, under the combatant commander for that area of responsibility and those vary widely some formations have uh, a fair amount of authority and others have very little but rarely if ever do they have all the immediate authorities they need to be effective from day zero well the theater information advantage element has very broad authorities for all of those things, including national technical assets such as space and cyber delegated down to it. Just like the CJCSI withstanding authorities, they have that from day zero anywhere they go, forward, in the rear, et cetera. So they do not have to go through those traditional lengthy and inefficient approval processes to achieve the authorities they need. Jack, I know you have some experience with that, especially in public affairs. You want to talk about that?
5: First off, to to summarize Brian's point, you know, the TIAE combines communicators and signal platforms and it actually cuts through nine types of silos to focus on the mission. That's cutting nine forms of bureaucracy to get to the effect, and that's that's amazing. And as far as authorities Most of the time I see one element or another getting frustrated because they need specific authorities to complete a mission. Usually though, another element has a similar authority or capability that can cover the gap. I see this all the time and it kills me because we waste so much time trying to gain authorities for one element when another element or organization has that capability and just needs to be asked and then they can get the permission and help. And so we need to get past that. This is where I hope the TIAE cuts through and makes operations more efficient.
4: We'll take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we'll continue our conversation with majors Gaines and Hancock.
3: We'll be right back
4: after a word from our sponsor.
1: Everywhere you look, there's a barrage of emails and information telling you what everybody has done, is doing, or plans to do, all in excruciating detail. But access is only half the battle. You also need information presented in a usable form. But that takes work, and the more information you have, the more work it takes. Tesla government takes on these issues so that your office or agency can fully exploit the data you already have. Our knowledge management experts organize and curate your internal data. Our open source research augments your knowledge base with strategic insights from our globally experienced team. And our data visualization turns complex data into compelling visuals, while our community building makes sure everyone benefits by leveraging collective knowledge. With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com
2: LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. Something for everyone. The World Traveler, the Civil Engager, the Warrior Diplomat. We got t-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags and posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Celebrating the heritage of civil affairs, from the civil reconnaissance of Lewis and Clark through the Monuments Men of World War II and Companies of Vietnam. Repping the present teams of the Global War on Terror, with items for citizen-soldiers of use of KPOC and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. Collections include suits and shoots for fans of jumping out of airplanes and looking good, Pineland to remember your trip to the People's Republic and Lewis and Clark to honor the two party animals who popularized huge DTS vouchers. You want pipepox? We got pipepox. New items all the time. Custom flags, stickers, and shirts? Send us an email. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at LC38Brand or contact us at info at LC38Brand.com. LC38Brand.com. It's cool to like your job.
3: Welcome back to the 1CA Podcast. Today, our guests are Major Jack Gaines and Brian Hancock. We're talking about the Theater Information Advantage Element, or TIAE.
0: John, I think we could probably spend most of the podcast unpacking this this great question you asked, Uh, but I know your listeners want to hear about some of the other items. So uh, if it's okay with you, let's move on to the second question.
4: Yeah, let's do that. I I really appreciate that, gentlemen. Um, It's clear that you're well-versed in this topic. Uh, You care a lot about it. And it reminds me of uh, two things that come to mind. I grew up born in 79, and I remember this animated show called Voltron. (laughs) It's kind of like you're fusing together all these different pieces to make a a giant Voltron that's going to be stronger and more nimble and and more effective. And then there was 9-11. And what comes to mind for that is the fusion cells, the intelligence fusion cells, cells, which just proliferated around the country, every county and state. For emergency response in their EOC. They created versions of fusion cells and, and businesses now have fusion cells. So hopefully that's where this goes and you'll, you'll see the effects of it as well. Gentlemen, I wanted to apply this to a real world scenario. So if the TIAE existed today, how would you say it could be employed to support American efforts that are going on right now in support of Ukraine in the fight against Russia? Brian?
0: Uh, Thanks for the question, John. I I know we're all following Ukraine very closely uh, for a variety of reasons, so this is a very prescient question to ask. Uh, So let's say that uh, NATO was involved in this fight and a formation like the TIAE was present. The first thing we need to understand, and the TIAE is well positioned to understand, is the way our enemy, in this case it would be Russia, conducts their information operations and information warfare. Their most uh, uh, utilized technique is what uh, Rand and others have called the fire hose of falsehood, where they just litter the information space and, and not just social media, airwaves, print, multispectral, absolutely everything. They flood it with all kinds of disconnected, disjointed theories and statements, alternate views and explanations of events. And they're very skilled at this because their information warfare battalions doctrinally are already integrated formations that train and plan together. They, they don't come together um, at a mob site or a deployment like ours do. They, they already have a standing capability that has some elements of the TIA in it. And those information warfare battalions are, are traditionally organized under Russia's. Reconnaissance, Intelligence, Surveillance, and Target Acquisition, or RISTA, brigades. And they have backing all the way up to strategic communication. So they've been powerful and effective and have traditionally outcycled us in the information space in a a number of instances. So that if we bring the TIA into the table, one of the things we can do is understand how Russia does business uh, and begin to counter that. And one of the things that we need to understand about Russian information warfare, people often say, well, if it's all all this false stuff, why do they have credibility? Why does anyone believe their version of the story? Well, they don't care if you believe their version of the story. And while we care about information fratricide and getting our narrative consistent and correct, they do not. All of their separate units operate independently. And if they disprove even each other's stories, they don't care about that. Because their goal is not to get the target audience to believe what they're saying. Their goal is to sow enough confusion and uncertainty in the decision space that people go, well, I don't know if that's true or not. So I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to sit and wait. And as we sit and wait, Russia then accomplishes a fait accompli and it's too late eventually. Okay, so that's that's how they operate. Jack, do you want to give a more specific example of what we could do to to counter Russian information warfare? And then I'll give a couple of um, of specific capabilities that the TIA would bring to your current.
5: Sure, sure. No problem. Hey, um, what you're talking about is the fear and uncertainty. There's a concept called FUD, F-U-D, and that means fear, uncertainty and doubt. And that is a counter, that's a propaganda and counter propaganda practice um, that's been codified, so you are absolutely on on the money. And it's and it comes from politics actually. The root is from you know, one political party or another filling the um, information space with a lot of doubt around a bill that they don't want to get enough votes. And what that does is it creates hesitation in the voting audience. It reduces the amount of support, and pretty soon you just get this terrible vote response, and you don't get your vote passed because it was you know, killed by FUD. Now for Ukraine, I've got a more theoretical example. It's more applied. And this is what I would do. I would have TIA based out of Poland and have civil affairs, tactical PA, PSYOP, go into Ukraine and work with the locals to expose Russian actions that go against their propaganda and would also shift their population of support base. For example, having them go in and go to the Russian soldier grave sites and holding sites and identify the bodies, go through the work of getting the photo and the identification and the DNA and then using cyber and space ops to signal those next to kins and provide them the information so that they can go and prove that their soldier, son and daughter were in the fight and have been killed despite Russia lying about and saying that there's only been 100 people dead. And what that does is it exposes the propaganda and forces the Russian administration to answer to it and provide the truth. And by doing that, by leveraging against their own propaganda with tangible proof, it creates frustration and resistance in the support base. And that makes it harder for them to have widespread support in the base. It starts to slow down you know, uh, production and finance because people know that their sons and daughters are being slipped off to get killed and they're not being told about it additionally uh, we could set up scenarios where we could capture a video of Russians selling equipment or starving in the field because their commanders spent the money right now Russian attitudes are mixed by showing how the country and administration is not supporting the troops by lying to the public It would shift that unified attitude in country. And every time Putin tries to avoid a hard issue, we would put it out to the public with proof so that he would have to answer to his base, which would include the police and the security forces and the political body that surround him. And that's how you use the TIA in a persistent effort to undermine your adversary and push the, the coalition cause. Brian, you got anything?
0: Yeah, thanks for that specific applied example uh, to make it real for for the the listeners. I'll give seven very brief uh, lines of effort that the TIA would also execute jointly with what Jack described. And and this first one is very, very important. In the experiment, we found that the TIAE significantly increased lethality of kinetic munitions. And uh, many uh, folks in combat arms may be surprised to hear that because traditionally information warfare is construed with less than lethal or non-lethal effects. But it actually has a very significant lethal component to it, because what we're finding is these new high-generation platforms that our adversaries are are building in land, air, and sea have a lot of protective capability, are, are hard to find and target, and are difficult to, to strike with one or, or even a redundant set of munitions. But if you add in the continuous uh, multispectral shaping operations from the TIAE against these high-value, high-platform targets, the kinetic kill rates go through the roof. So something that you, you might get lucky to hit and achieve either a total kill or mobility kill on with uh, conventional kinetic munitions and and conventional doctrine, when it's TIAE enhanced, uh, you're getting a kill almost every time. So that's one thing, significantly increase the lethality of all strikes and munitions that, that would be occurring in the battle space. Another thing, model the effects of enemy information attacks. For the longest time when we were doing, say, the wars in the last 20 years, when the enemy would do something, we'd get a bunch of, of subject matter experts together, and we'd ask the question: "Hey, do we need to counter that? Should we just let it die?" And we'd we'd suck up this bandwidth with this panel of sneeze, and it would take time to do that. And then we would just, based upon our opinion, uh, decide what action, if any, we would take. Now, at the speed of modern warfare, that's not going to be satisfactory anymore, and we don't need to do that. We have capabilities now uh, with enhanced by AI and other systems that allow us to actually model these information attacks uh, in, in a quantitatively significant fashion using scientific principles. Uh, one technology that does this is uh, Pulse by 26 Technologies. It's an excellent product. And it allows you to very quickly determine if a message, a meme, a memoplex, uh, a narrative is gaining external brokerage and growing or whether it is simply uh, recirculating in in insignificant subgroups that we do not need to to potentially waste resources with an intervention. That type of modeling is something we should be doing for every single information attack so that we properly utilize our very precious uh, resources to only counter those which actually matter. And the TIA is equipped to be able to do that. Another thing we need to talk about is is competition. Most of this warfare is competition. we've We've heard about uh, say China winning without fighting. That is absolutely their strategy. And if you take a look at how they've locked up Africa, for instance, it is becoming uh, a successful strategy. Phase three and uh, major combat dominate operations become irrelevant if we lose in competition. and our conventional military force for a variety of reason is not currently, structured and postured to achieve the majority of its effects in competition. As a persistent forward formation with significant standing and continuous influence capabilities native to the AORs in which they operate, the TIAE will do a tremendous amount in this hypothetical situation of Ukraine, both before and after uh, dominate operations, hopefully preventing warfare altogether, which would be a gigantic return on investment. Uh, It will provide uh, significant deception operations. Deception is critical. At this age of modern warfare, a target that can be detected can be destroyed. Munitions are small and powerful, and it's through things like deception, either increasing ambiguity or reducing ambiguity on the battlefield, that we keep our assets alive. The TIA has significant capabilities to do this at all levels gain and maintain the initiative in the operational information environment. This is where an enemy like Russia uh, has traditionally dominated the space. Uh, In an exercise that we do uh, either service level or joint, maybe we'll have a dozen information injects per hour we have to deal with. In the real world, Russia will be dumping thousands per hour and our traditional formations will not be able to keep up with that. We will quickly lose the initiative. The TIA will also flood the OIE, similar to what Russia is doing, but instead of, of a disambiguated FUD with positive truth and messaging, which is going to bolster our allies uh, and help us seize the moral high ground. It's very important. Um, the moral high ground may not matter in an individual battle or engagement, but if you want strategic success, which has been elusive, we've, we've been you know winning every battle and losing every war since World War II. We need to seize and own that moral high ground at the end of the day to achieve U.S. policy objectives. And and finally, the TIA has an unprecedented ability to get inside the uh, Observe, Orient, Decide Act, or OODA loop, as John Boyne coined it, of the enemy. It will allow us to isolate them, uh, disrupt their combined arms formations to the extent they use them, paralyze their decision-making, harm the Ramal and reduce their freedom of movement. So those are some of the just examples of the types of things, John, that the TIAE would do if this was a NATO fight and they were in Ukraine. Over.
4: Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, I think that's very helpful for listeners to apply it to a place that's, well, a conflict that's going on right now. I want to go back though, because I think I didn't get to give you guys a chance to respond to what my thought was that TIA is this amalgamation of existing capabilities and personnel that are across the IRCs, the information-related capabilities, and whether this already exists. So I know you've come up with this approach and pitching the TIA, but is it true that this is essentially a grouping of existing capabilities in a new formation at, at different echelons? And does it already exist? And if not, why not?
5: So what you're asking is, did we just take the salad, retoss, and add some new uh, dressing on top?
4: Yes, right.
5: <laughs> yes and no. Uh, I see it as an evolution in conflict and warfare design. Uh, we're taking existing capabilities, yes, but we're building a Form mission that fits the current fight, and that's, that's what the hang-up is. Like I had said earlier, all of the silos where all of these different elements were existing and thriving in their own singular world, we're not creating the effects that we need in you know modern warfare to actually strategically win. And so this is an attempt to combine those. Brian mentioned competition. In my work, I see competition as conflict by other means than war. And this includes extensive influence and hybrid operations, which is a core to TIA, and civil affairs operations so to do this we're taking existing capabilities and building a formation that fits the current fight brian you got any thoughts
0: yes a very good question john just for the audience three specific things which are distinctly unique to the tiae Uh, the first is persistent forward presence Uh, with many of these information capabilities traditionally in the reserve getting them mobilized, getting them on ADOS orders, getting them to where they can make a difference before it's too late has been very difficult. You know, we've had uh, attempts to do this with Task Force Oceana, uh, which has now been folded into OPIC, but we have not cracked the code on that. And if you're not in the game, you cannot win the game. So uh, by being persistent forward in the actual operating environment, these folks are going to get unprecedented expertise in the areas in which they operate, and they can immediately and continuously respond 24-7 in the TIAE. So persistent forward presence is one. The second point is that they have these powerful standing authorities all the way up to national technical capabilities. Uh, No existing formation has that right now, Uh, and every IRC has separate authorities and often separate approval processes. That ends with the TIAE. They have it from the minute they're consummated uh, and they take it with them wherever they go, both forward and rear. And the third is getting back to your uh, Voltron analogy, uh, John, which is the Gestalt principle. Right. And the Gestalt principle is that the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. And, And the analogy I like to use here is of a football team. okay? Right now, the way we've used information-related capabilities, completely siloed, training, planning, executing, oftentimes independently uh, with a little bit of overlap. In this scenario, imagine every single player on a football team has to try and make a touchdown because he doesn't know if anyone else has a plan to make a touchdown or how they're going to get it, and they don't know how they're going to assist one another. So every one of them has the plan to pick up the football and go all the way down to the end zone. You can imagine how inefficient that would be in a, in a real football game. Okay. But by using Gestalt principle, by putting them together, eating, living, training, working, planning, rehearsing, executing together on the actual football field, which the TIAE does now they work as a team because we know, uh, at the end of the day to win a football game, only one person on that team has to score, but everyone else has a critical role to help them score that is the synergy and capability you gain through the gestalt principle by putting these together in a persistent forward formation does that answer the question john
4: it does in that analogy i think it's very helpful for people to understand that in this new structure you clearly have a chain of command you'd have people as the quarterback you'd have the special teams you have defense and offense and so on and working as a team it makes a lot of sense and from the, my CA perspective and my personal experience over the last several years, yeah, I mean, if you're less than effective right now or you want to be more effective going forward, we're trying to do more training with other IRCs, then why not try this out?
3: Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of One CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory.
1: In civil affairs, your success depends on getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Whether it's foundational information for a team about to head out on a mission or putting together a map or other data visualization to brief a general or an ambassador, Tesla Government solutions and staff can help. With Tesla Government's knowledge management solutions, you're adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com
2: lc38brand.com the civil affairs lifestyle brand a little bit of something for everybody t-shirts polos shorts hats flags and posters for your walls and stickers for everything else celebrating the heritage of civil affairs from the civil reconnaissance of lewis and clark through the monuments made of world war ii and companies of vietnam representing the present teams of the global war on terror we have items for citizen soldiers of usa kapok and warrior diplomats at fort bragg alike lc38brand.com It's cool to like your job.